0: Hello and welcome to Euractiv's AgriFood Podcast. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And I'm Natasha Foote. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's AgriFood team.
1: This week, pesticides, reactions to the fertilizer's communication, and avian flu.
0: And welcome back to another episode of the AgriFood Brief.
1: Mm-hmm. You're with the OGs this week. <laughs> yeah, indeed.
0: <laughs> indeed. And um, what what are we going to talk about?
1: Uh, All kinds of things happened last week. There's been a whole host of things. Oh, wow. But let's start. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. If anyone gets that reference. <laughs> uh, so we had the AgriFish Council last week on Monday, and there were quite a few different topics that were we'll discussed the there. AgriFish
0: Council. What's this? Agri- what's this thing?
1: I know no, how actually. jargony it's terrible. It was the the meeting of EU agricultural ministers. There we go. Wow. Better?
0: Maybe not. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> if I may, agriculture and fisheries ministers.
1: Oh, sorry. I agree. <laughs> Otherwise,
0: it's an agriculture account.
1: <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. I'll allow that. And so what were the agriculture and fisheries ministers discussing?
0: <laughs> oh, to be fair, there was a lot to discuss about fisheries too. There was
1: and it's your favourite topic, huh? For no, tuna. it's not my
0: favourite. It's not my favourite. Now, our listener thinks that I have so many favorite topics, whether it's just uh, that the fisheries is a very interesting uh, sector mm-hmm. uh, and a topic for, uh, for uh, you know, to cover at EU level because there's also the competence uh, and so on. But, for instance, there was uh, an interesting debate uh, in which the commission announced that they're going to present this uh, decarbonization plan, decarbonization of the fisheries plan, for instance, on uh, fisheries, Mm -hmm. and at the same time, and and I strongly suggest the article that our colleague Hugo uh, wrote about it, it's on Euractiv, if you want to learn more more about uh, it. It started on the 7th of November, the consultation phase, so uh, Mm -hmm. they just started. Uh, But there was also the presentation of the uh, algae strategy.
1: Hey! Yeah,
0: by Quite Commissioner Sinkevicius. And I suggest uh, for our listeners to read the story from our colleague Gidre, who interviewed uh, Virginia Sinkevicius, so two compatriots basically, because they're both uh, Lithuanian. Algi and
1: was a, a cha- challenge for me to pun about. Took me a long time yeah, to figure out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And uh, to be fair, Algi, has huge potential, uh, not only to improve European diets because it's uh, it, mm-hmm. it can be used on, as food supplements. On my desk uh, in in your actives newsroom, there's it's true. <laughs> there's some algae. It's been there
1: for a long time. I think you need to eat it now. Yeah, to to you know to commemorate the.
0: You can do. I mean, with you can basically there's the recipe to do um, a margarita, <laughs> the cocktail. Oh. With yeah, with this as a food supplement uh, but uh, they also contribute to the c o two mitigation
1: mm-hmm. because
0: uh, again it's it's a very interesting topic
1: they're also they're also used as a biostimulant indeed,
0: indeed. as a
1: fertilizer replacement, which leads us on very nicely to our next topic who I did that
0: you, uh, very good I very know good, not my first good. time not my first time very good and also i I, I can understand how bored you were by this uh, not
1: discussion true. <laughs> not true
0: fertiliser fertiliser indeed indeed yeah. there was a um, communication by the commission two weeks ago yeah and uh, like a lifetime ago <laughs> yeah and it was the first time uh, in which the minister could actually uh had a say on uh, on uh, what the the commission put together mm-hmm And it doesn't seem they were super happy. No way. No, I mean, they were happy overall, but uh, the biggest issue with the the entire fertilizer communication is that basically there's no money.
1: There's always the issue, no? (laughs) Show me the money. Where's the money? (laughs) There's no money
0: or short-term measures because in the end it was a bit of a collection of all the things that they've done Mm. and they're... They already announced that they would have done Mm. in uh, in the next uh, months in the coming months
1: it was the same they're echoing the same concerns from the farmers right that that, that there was all focus on medium and long-term measures and there was not much on short-term measures um and you know farmers are facing an imminent spring season um but yeah the main contentious issue though was around this idea of state aid
0: Right. Yeah, indeed it 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 was this um debate uh, um around how to fund this uh, additional money because we know that the common Agricultural policy uh the common Agricultural policy so the uh, EU's farming subsidy scheme uh has already been um, at least the the allocation for the 2023 20, for next year uh, they were already discussed the uh, national uh, strategic plans and so hmm. on we caught co- we kind of covered this quite uh, extensively uh, quite <laughs> extensively um, and there's everything on our website on the cap tracker uh, you can check the current ca- current status of uh, all the uh, actually all of the national strategic plans so hmm. uh, very good resource um, but again the point is that there's no additional money uh, The cap effectiveness is a bit undermined by the inflation cost as well. Um, So in a sense, uh, there are some ministers that are actually pushing for triggering once again the crisis reserve fund. So a solution that is included in the EU budget because there's an amount of money uh, which is 450 million, I think, per year uh, that it's devoted to a specific uh, crisis situation and the commission can spend, can allow this money to go uh, into the pockets of basically the uh, struggling uh, sector, mm. in this case, farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was triggered for the first time.
1: It was, yeah. Last year. And in a conversation that I had with uh, with Commissioner Wojciechowski, he was saying that, um, that it's very likely that it will be triggered again next year as
0: well. And and uh, and during because the, we're just
1: kind of in this perma crisis. Yeah, right. yeah. And
0: in the, and in the, and in the press conference, uh, Wojciechowski, after having uh, uh, debated with minister, he wasn't that sure. <laughs> he was like, uh, "No, at the moment, it's not uh, actually likely." Uh, to be fair, last year it was um, uh, it was still the last year. Actually, this year, it's still linked to direct payments. So in uh, mm. in um, Basically, our farmers are paying for this uh, fund. It's
1: basically borrowing from the future. Basically. It's essentially like we've got this money, but we're going to take it off of your future payments to have it now.
0: Now, uh, it's uh, with the new cap starting uh, from next year. uh, There's not this link in the sense that it's not that immediate, like uh, it's the last resort. It doesn't mean that... like. the EU at the moment is is struggling in finding other sources for uh, for this kind of package. So uh, it's not entirely sure that they're not gonna use this uh, direct payment anymore. Um, that's why the and it was also included in the fertilizer communication. The um, easiest way to support farmers is actually state aid. So uh, public uh, money. So not the EU budget, but member state budget. Uh, that, uh, as you probably know, if you're uh, if you're a listener of this podcast, state aids are illegal in the EU uh, because we are, we are a single market, and of course you create an imbalance because there are countries that could afford the uh, to spend money from their budget, and other that they can't. Uh, so. Uh, they recently, we also discussed about this in in some previous episode of this podcast. Uh, the commission decided to increase the ceiling for the maximum for the state aid that are allowed uh, in the EU. So it's a huge amount of money now. Mm. It's basically it's
1: two hundred and fifty thousand euros, right?
0: Per farm, per per farm. So, so it's a it's a lot. A, it's a whack
1: lot. of money, yeah.
0: And, uh, and, of course, ministers were uh, had this uh, this exchange of views on uh, whether to use, uh, I mean, of course, certain countries like Germany uh, were more in favour of, um, of spending uh, national budget to rescue farmers, while others like Ireland, uh, Portugal, Poland, uh, Spain too. Uh, they said that this state aid uh, tool must be, uh, should be the exception and not uh, the norm. So uh, there wasn't, uh, like, I mean, they, they didn't agree on how to, uh, you know, on additional funding at mm-hmm. the moment. So we expect uh, this topic to be, um, you know, to, to, raise the, to be raised again in the next uh, AgriFish Council. <laughs>
1: And talking about things that are spoken about again and again, um, in the AgriFish Council meeting, uh, there was also this discussion over the Commission's plans to slash the use and risk of pesticides in a half by 2030, which was um, this, this ambition that was uh, put in the EU's flagship food policy, farm to Fork strategy. And member states are not very happy about how this has gone down. Basically, we've spoken about it a number of times. We've also written about it. Um, but you can check out our articles on Euroactive, but. Essentially, member states are saying that, you know, with the advent, with the situation with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, with the fact that it's upended global food uh, supply chains. Um, they're saying that we need to relook at this idea of how we're going to do this. They're saying we need a deeper and more thorough, more comprehensive impact assessment. And so ministers asked for this at the, the council meeting last week. Um, and in response, you know, the commissioner was talking about he you know he was very he was saying he, he knows that it's a very difficult problem to to solve. He actually called it a difficult and open problem.
0: What a word? What a choice of word, open.
1: <laughs> Which does make it sound like they're kind of open, it's still an open discussion. I mean, of course, we had the proposal from the commission and of course, yeah, there weird. is an element of openness, but right?
0: Still.
1: But still. But still, sounds like there's some wiggle room. That's how I interpreted it, interpreted the, the word open.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh no, it's interesting. Again, of course, it's open also because uh, lawmakers of course uh, have to. But it's technically
1: open, but yeah, still, mm.
0: because uh, to be fair, the the requests from um, let's say a certain part of the political spectrum, let's say center right, but even uh, the right uh, groups in the in the European Parliament, mm. they're actually saying, uh, you know, like. The commission should be aware that they don't have a majority anymore in the in the in the council. So, with the ministers, but even in the parliament, according to them. Um, So they should actually think about uh, to to change again this impact assessment. It's that that Natasha was mentioning before. It's a bit uh, on this line. Uh, To be fair, this is a bit of uh, you know the trivia moment of (laughs) of, yeah. So um Wojcicki spoke at the Agriculture Council But the commissioner who's tasked with the pesticide uh, dossier is actually. I, I wait for five seconds uh, just to give the reader the listener the time to
1: Am I supposed to say or is it No but you
0: know it. <laughs> okay. It it's for our listeners. This is the trivia. Who's the commissioner uh, tasked uh-huh. with um Pesticide and camps. then we can
1: have a little sound effect.
0: Stella the mm. food safety commissioner. The food safety commissioner is, uh, and and so DIGISANTE, the uh, food safety service uh, service of the European Commission. Mm. And we also had another uh, exclusive, we might say, uh, because. Um, oh,
1: I see what you did. Yeah. Oh, I'm good yeah. Segways are good today.
0: I know, I know. I know.
1: Gosh, it's almost like we planned it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering uh, what will be the segue for next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was going to be more of a challenge. I'll think about it, As, okay.
0: Yeah. And um, because Stella Kiriakides replied to a letter that the, the commission received, I think last month, uh, that was sent by part of the Agriculture Committee, uh, the European Parliament Agriculture Committee, uh, because uh, some groups weren't really... Uh, didn't really agree on the text of of, uh, of uh, the letter, and um, and basically the the MEPs were backing a bit the um, the stance of the minister. So we need an impact assessment after after uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, so we need uh, we need for a deeper look at the uh, the impact of this this major event, this major Mm -hmm. global event in in the global food supply chain. Mm -hmm. And uh, and basically the interesting part of this letter is that in order to appease uh, the critics of his proposal, the commissioner kind of suggested that the executive Actually, hopes uh, you know, put on the table of the of the of the sewer SURE, of the pesticide directive, also a potential liberalisation of the highly controversial gene editing or mm. new genomic techniques.
1: The old sticking carrot approach.
0: Yeah, yeah, because so you got
1: the stick of the pesticide reduction plans, but they're dangling a little carrot in front of the,
0: you know, the yeah, centre-right yeah. MEPs. Indeed. This, yeah. is, this is already the segue, no? No, no, <laughs> okay, it okay,
1: could have okay, been. No, okay. no, don't worry. I've got something you, even you better missed, on my sleeve.
0: Okay, 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 perfect, perfect. <laughs> because it uh, might be a coincidence, but actually uh, the harshest critics of uh, the pesticide reduction proposal are actually the biggest uh, um, proposers of uh, a deregulation of uh, gene editing. Uh, mm. new genomic techniques. So it sounds uh, a bit... Uh, sounds, it sounds, sounds
1: like a bit of a trade, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, also, listen,
1: you give me this, I'll give you that.
0: Indeed, indeed, indeed. Because they basically, uh basically said, I should also like to underline, I'm quoting her here, uh, that the SURE proposal is not an isolated measure. Mm. And she mentioned funds from Horizon Europe, so basically innovation, but also uh, the forthcoming initiative that is suppo- that is supposedly it's penciled Q two Q two of twenty twenty two so it's basically the second quarter. Um, again, it's it's a bit of a coincidence, but uh, uh, of course, uh, Green MEP. We spoke uh, in in this article that was that uh, was published on your last week. We spoke with Tilly Metz, Green MEP, and she she basically. Uh, you know uh, realized that something
1: uh, She wasn't very happy was uh, she? Yeah
0: yeah <laughs> um, and uh, and now basically we're going to see how actually how, how it's going this, this uh, dossier because it was uh, technically scheduled in uh, finally scheduled in the European Parliament so the MV committee and also the Agri committee they, they shared the competence on certain uh, aspects of the uh, um, regulation they're going to start uh, discussing they're going to approve uh, a mandate in order to uh, find uh, a compromise with the other side with the the other lawmakers so the minister
1: so today we're taking a deep dive into avian influenza now the eu's neighbor the uk is currently facing one of the worst outbreaks of avian influenza ever so much so that the country is seeing shortages of both poultry meat and eggs in the run up to Christmas but is the EU faring much better well we spoke to a few experts to see what the situation
2: is and now let's start at the beginning first things first what exactly is avian influenza avian influenza is a highly contagious viral disease which mainly occurs in um, poultry and wild uh, water birds That's Francesca
1: Baldinelli. She is a veterinary epidemiologist and scientific officer at the European Food Safety Agency, EFSA, where she's been working on avian influenza since 2017.
2: Avian influenza viruses can be either low or high pathogenic viruses, depending on their uh, molecular characteristics and on their ability to cause disease and uh, uh, death, mortality in chicken. Um poultry infected with uh, low pathogenic avian influenza viruses can show mild signs or not show clinical signs at all, whereas uh, infection caused by highly pathogenic avian influenza uh, cause usually death of the animals. And uh, that's why uh, this is a... This is a, an issue for the poultry sector because uh, the virus is uh, uh, spread really rapidly. So when uh, it's present in an area, in a, in a farm, it quickly spread within the, all animals or the farms and also outside the farms, causing uh, really uh, production losses to the industry. So how bad really is the current situation in the EU? Yeah, to understand the current situation, I think we need to also have a little bit of understanding of what what before, of what we are facing now. So. Since 2005, uh, uh, multiple incursions of highly pathogenic avian influenza have occurred through uh, migratory uh, water waterbirds coming to Europe to winter, and the impact of those epidemic uh, had been variables depending on the different years. But what we are now facing is really the worst avian influenza epidemic season ever. And that because since um, October last year, uh, we have observed the largest number of outbreaks in poultry in wild birds, and also a huge number of wild bird species affected. And the geographical extent of this epidemic is also very wide. The UK is
1: just next door. And you said that this disease is, is spread by wild birds. So is this something that could have
2: knock on impacts in the EU? I can see from a scientific point of view is that I mean we are within Europe from a geographical point of view, but the connection with UK is uh, uh, on the is mainly based on the direction of the migration of the uh, wild water birds that is usually um, that is usually in a westward direction. So it's coming toward the west and um, toward the east this is what uh, what what i can what i can see and on the other hand uh, i mean uh, uk is facing the worst cyber epidemic but it's the same in the in the union in uh, uh, so I, I don't see uh, i mean the situation are quite similar i would say so what about the
1: industry perspective in all of this? Well, we spoke with Gérard Lévesque, who works for the European Poultry Breeders, and also Paul-Henri from AVEC, and that's the voice of Europe's poultry meat sector, to learn more.
3: As an industry, we are, we are concerned because, um, as I said, there is a huge impact on, on mortality. Um, and uh, it is, at this moment, unpredictable where will be the next outbreak. Uh, And we find it very difficult to find uh, solutions through biosecurity to guarantee that a flock will not be contaminated.
1: So UK producers have now had to move their birds inside in the most affected areas and they've implemented strict biosecurity measures. Can you talk a little bit about the burden and the cost that this causes for producers and the impact this could have on production, especially for example, free range producers?
4: So one thing about the the impact on free-range production, uh, just to explain that there have been some provisions uh, in the legislation to make sure that although the free-range producer will have to to take their birds inside, they will still be able to market their products of free-range. So the economic impact for them will be uh, reduced or or non-existing uh, because of these provisions in the legislation. So that's a, a positive uh, thing for them. Uh, and that's positive also for biosecurity uh, in this fight against uh, avian influenza.
1: So what funding is available to help EU producers deal with avian flu? Is there enough funding available?
4: The um, compensations are provided both by the uh, EU funds, EU commission, and on the other side by the member states and the rate depends uh, between the member states. Uh, and it's important to understand that those compensations are very important. First, to to ensure the well-being of the farmers, because obviously they are not responsible when they have a case, uh, if they have taken all the good biosecurity measures that can happen to anyone. And the second uh, element is that the the public has to understand that it's very important to ensure that the farmer will be compensated, because then if not, and if if they have to, to assume the financial risk, uh, then there is a risk that they may not uh, uh, say that they have an outbreak and that it will contribute to more uh, dissemination of the outbreak. So it's very important to support the farmers uh, and the players on the ground to make sure they take all the measures and that uh, each time we have an outbreak, it's, it's uh, noticed to the authorities and that we take the, the right measures. So, so those compensations are extremely important to fight the outbreak.
1: Now back in May of this year, EU agricultural ministers agreed to implement a bird flu vaccine strategy. So what's the latest on this? Is this moving fast enough in your opinion?
3: The decision from uh, EU has been to give the possibility to move to vaccination. Uh, So first we are waiting uh, new regulation, it it will come soon. Um, But then when you have the regulation, you also need to have to define the strategy and you also need to get the good vaccines and uh, and this point is uh, is difficult uh, first because when when you speak about birds it is different species, and each species can react differently to the vaccines and it takes time because we need uh, as much as possible we need to reduce the mortality but we need also to reduce the spread from uh, one bird to the other, from one farm to the other, so that's that's a difficulty and the second difficulty when you define a strategy is that obviously on from one year to the other, the behavior of the virus is changing.
0: And that's all from us this week. This week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractiv's AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna, Natasha Food, and Paola Andres, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. And this podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, and Spotify.
1: Be sure to subscribe to our AgriFood Brief so you don't miss the latest news in the EU. I'm Natasha Food. Thanks so much for listening, and see you next week.